My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever loves me will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Yet the word you hear is not mine, but that of the Father who sent me. I have told you this while I am with you. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. You heard me tell you I am going away and I will come back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine the next time that you're at the CVS or Rite Aid or the pharmacy aisle in your local supermarket and you're picking up the Advil for your headaches, Zantac for the heartburn, Claritin for your allergies. Perhaps I'm revealing a little too much here about my own shopping list. but And you make your way down the aisle and you're able to pick up a drug to cure fear. That's not a premise from some science fiction story, but something that appears to be a not-so-far-off reality. The New York Times not too long ago reported that scientists are working on a drug that will not simply numb or sedate you when you're anxious about something to alleviate those symptoms, but promises to erase the fear that's tied to specific memories or to specific things. So, for example, to illustrate how this would work, they had three groups of people who were absolutely petrified of spiders. Group one was shown a tarantula and then given the drug. Group two was shown the spider and given a sugar pill or a placebo. And group three was given the drug first and then shown the tarantula. And they assessed each group's reactions that first day, three months later, and then a year later, just to see what kind of reaction and response they would have. And amazingly, the one group that was shown the spider and then given the drug, within days were able to touch the spider. Three months later, were actually able to take it out of its glass container and to hold it. And then a year later, their fear never returned. So theoretically, the drug is supposed, supposed to simply take the emotional response out by, by blocking some of the brain chemicals that rush in when someone's overwhelmed by a fear. So it's not like a, a men in black thing where the mind eraser that's going to alter or delete a historical fact or something. 
So if you had a, a car accident that caused you fear of ever getting into a car, the scientists maintain it's not going to delete your memory of the accident. It's just going to change the emotional response that you're having that's present, preventing you from driving, that that's the only thing that would be altered. It's an interesting experiment, and no doubt for some who are severely inhibited with deeply ingrained fears that diminish their quality of life, like, like veterans who are suffering post-traumatic stress disorder, this could become a, a major game changer. But, and you knew there was a but coming, there are critics who are concerned with any attempts to tamper with human memories. If we start altering our reactions, eliminating our fears, could that lead the way for us to be careless or rather more careless, or reckless even? What about the darkest aspects of human history where horrific crimes against humanity and widespread trauma took place, like the evil of the Nazi concentration camps during World War II? In the wrong hands, this kind of a medical discovery could be used to do some really, really awful things that we don't even want to try to imagine. So obviously there's a, a lot of things that need to be considered, the medical, the psychological, and hopefully the, the moral consequences of this, this discovery. But the reason that this is even a, a thing, that this is even a road that scientists went down, is that they're trying to address a human need, a human desire to be free of fear. No doubt every one of us, to one extent or another, would sign up for that, myself included. Anytime I have to head to an airport for a flight, I'm not exactly happy or, or calm about the, the prospect of entering a, a glorified soda can being thrust tens of thousands of feet into the sky at 500 miles per hour. Not a fan. And if we were to poll everyone in this church, we'll find that there's all kinds of fears. Kids are worried about tests at school, or hopefully they should be. Uh, or where they're going to go to high school next year or college. Some of the kids that just graduated from Montclair State are worried about what's going to happen next for them. Where are they going? Parents are worried about everything with their kids. Families are worried about loved ones who are ill. Maybe you're trying to find a job or you're afraid you might lose the job you have. Or you're just afraid of going to work every single day just because of things that you're facing there. There's no shortage to the number of fears. And sadly, the CBS has, doesn't have those no fear pillows available yet. But we do have an antidote that's far less risky, far less questionable, and far more effective right here. In today's gospel, we encounter Jesus at the Last Supper, the night before his brutal, torturous passion and crucifixion and death knowing what he's about to face, knowing what these, his, his chosen ones, the closest ones to him, the ones that he loves, are about to face. He tells them point blank, do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. It's said that of all the things that the Lord tells us throughout the Bible, of all the commands that are spoken, of all the directions that the prophets or Jesus himself has given, that sentiment is the one that's said the most throughout all of Scripture and probably the one that we have the most difficulty with, to not be afraid. 
Pope Francis even recently said that it's there 365 times in Scripture. I'm going to trust him that he counted it. I didn't count it myself. That 365 times that sentiment is made that it's almost as if God's saying to us every single day to not be afraid. So amazingly, here Jesus is facing the most horrific events imaginable. And that's what's on his heart and his mind to those that he loves. This passionate command to not give in to fear. He says this not as a a crazy man ignorant of about what's about to happen to him. He says this not as some happy-go-lucky Pollyannish individual who's being insensitive to someone's legitimate fears. He says this as one who knows us, as one who loves us, as one who stays with us. He says that as one who promises us not a life free of any pain or worry, or yes, even fear. Like if we just sign on board with Jesus, he's our insurance policy against any negative thing from happening to us. But rather, he speaks heart to heart. He says to us that no matter what it is we face, no matter what the odds, no matter what the fear it is that is troubling our hearts, he loves us unconditionally that we're wonderfully, beautifully made in his image for a reason, for a purpose. And we find that purpose, we find that meaning, we find that love, and even more, we find that peace that we so desire when we love selflessly, when we remain rooted and connected with him by keeping his commands, when we allow him in and yield to the Holy Spirit to guide and direct and dwell within us. But that, that's a daily choice that we have to make, to choose not to yield to fear, to choose instead to open those doors to Christ every day. It's something that we almost have to constantly recommit ourselves to doing because the sad reality is the world around us, whether it's on a, a global level where there are things that leaders and politicians say and do and different threats that are advancing, or even from places that are closer to home, more locally, just our our family struggles or illnesses or just doubts and difficulties and setbacks, all of those things just constantly sow seeds of fear. And at the same time, you have all kinds of secular forces and voices to even downright evil forces that all seem to try to promise fulfillment or promise a shortcut or even promise the absence of fear in easier and quicker ways that never seemed to work. When we say that Jesus understands what we're going through, that's not in some condescending patting on the head like, there, there, it'll all be right, I understand. That upper room in the gospel where we were brought to today tells us that those events that Jesus and his closest friends were anticipating was a place that was of confusion and would turn very quickly into some of the greatest fears imaginable. But Jesus' promises extend past the events of Good Friday and outside that intimate circle of friends. In this proclamation, he says to us that when we turn to him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, when we speak of our pains and our worries and our fears, when we remember his history of goodness in our own lives, 
and know that his promises are trustworthy, when we let faith enter into whatever it is that's causing us such distress, that's when we start to experience peace. And then the words of the great St. Teresa of Avila can start to be realized, who once said so beautifully, May today there be peace within. May you trust God that you are exactly where you are meant to be. May you not forget the, the infinite possibilities that are born of faith. May you use the gifts that you have received and, and pass them on the love that has been given to you. May you be content knowing that you are a child of God. Let this presence settle into your bones and allow your soul the freedom to sing, to dance, to praise, and to love. It is there for each and every one of us. Amen.